For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And then I said, those aren't buoys. Anyway, um, welcome to Take the Black Live, the only show on the internet where we dare to discuss the things that no one else has the guts to talk about, like sci-fi, fantasy, movies, television, robots, space lasers, swords, dragons, horsies, and things of this nature. I am Dan Selke of WinnersComing.net, here with Daniel Roman of WinnersComing.net. Daniel, quickly, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I, I am connected today, so therefore, much better than last week. Uh, Dan and special guest Camilla, how are you guys doing? Doing good, doing good. You know, just enjoying this Wednesday that I keep forgetting is a Wednesday. I keep thinking it's Thursday. Happens sometimes, yeah. yeah. Camilla, uh, Surveo, thanks for coming on. We wanted to have you, Camilla Surveo of uh, Fansighted.com, expert, writer, editor, pop cultural critic, pioneering um, observer of all things pop culture. Wanted to have you on today because just last night, we all watched the finale of Star Wars Ahsoka, the latest television show on Disney Plus set in the expanding Star Wars television universe. And you being a Star Wars fan, I see your shirt on there, says Star Trek. Um, we wanted to... It's, <laughs> we want to have you on to uh, talk about it because we figured that you're a matter expert. We've all watched it. And I just mm -hmm. want to know, I want to ask both of you, was Star Wars Ahsoka a success? But first, thanks to everyone who's watching. Glad to have you all here today. Hey, Martha. Hey, everyone else watching. Uh, if you want to make comments, feel free to make comments on YouTube, on Facebook. We love to interact with you guys. And also, you know, like, subscribe, send us money, whatever you want to do. Just like, subscribe. That's That's plenty. So, okay. I'll, Camilla, I'll ask you first, just in in the uh, name of uh, uh, keeping things orderly. You've seen all eight episodes of Star Wars Ahsoka, the latest live action Star Wars show starring Rosario Dawson's Ahsoka, um, who's orange, and other actors as various other characters. Was this a successful series? For the most part, and for what it's worth, 
Yes. In my opinion. Um, I kind of, I have a love and hate relationship with the Star Wars shows. Um, Mm -hmm. I was very disappointed in Obi-Wan. I was disappointed in Book of Boba Fett. Mandalorian is pretty good, but Andor is still like on top of everything because it's just amazing. But I, I feel like Ahsoka is right in between. Like there's Andor and Mandalorian and there's Ahsoka and there's the other two that we don't talk about. And <laughs> I feel like you did an okay job. There are a lot of things that I really don't agree with that really bother me deep down inside. And I have to like decide to be a bigger person and not be that fan while watching the finale. Um, but you know, for the most part, I'm just, I'm happy with Thrawn. I'm Thrawn was like the beacon of hope for me in the series. And Lars Mikkelsen mm-hmm. is phenomenal as Thrawn. So at least I was not disappointed with his portrayal, but couldn't, can't say the same for the entire thing as a whole. Ooh. Um, that's a milk toast endorsement from Camilla Surveo. I like Thrawn this one too. <laughs> I am not a Star Wars Rebels viewer. I'm not, I, I don't know the special material. I think this last finale, which I hope Daniel, when it has to you, say the title because the title was stupid because um, I, I don't remember what it was. I will. Um, I thought that this was the best this was the first time that i kind of saw what other fans have seen in thrawn i saw lars mickelson as this blue alien warlord gave a compelling performance in this final finale episode he was kind of very controlled and very quiet but menacing i thought like this was his moment of arrival as an actor in this role in live action because Honestly, the past few episodes, like he was there, and I'm like, this is the guy. It's the guy who wants to talk about for so long. I mean, he's blue. Other than that, he doesn't seem that special. Uh, but I did like him in this one. Otherwise, I feel like we're kind of on the same page, all three of us. I'm going to guess, Daniel, of it was decent, but there were things lacking. Daniel, assuming you have this opinion, what do you think was lacking in Star Wars Ahsoka? Um, well, I think (laughs) it's a little hard to put my finger on. So I agree with what you said about Thrawn. Uh, I do. I liked him the most in this episode. Um, and I also agree with what Camilla said about this being kind of in the middle of the star Wars shows. It wasn't, Uh you know, a total bust that was really frustrating. It wasn't a breakout hit like Andor or early Mandalorian. I think the main thing that was, lacking with Ahsoka is that it kind of fell on the lightsaber a little bit in service (laughs) of Disney's expanding universe. So like the finale, which is titled the Jedi, the witch and the warlord, which is cute, uh, kind of a pointless reference because they just had it in there because they have a witch and a warlord, uh, not because there's any actual sort of, uh, real connection to the lion, the witch and the wardrobe, which is what, what that is referencing. Um, But I think Ahsoka had to do so much work to set up whatever comes next, uh, which is presumably the Dave Filoni crossover star Wars movie that will unite characters from this series with the Mandalorian, all that stuff, setting up Thrawn as the villain of that. So like by the end of this, we have this whole story where Ahsoka is 
you know, trying to stop Thrawn from coming back. Ahsoka and Thrawn mm-hmm. are never even in the same room in this show. Like by the end of the show, our heroes never actually really confront Thrawn face to face. Um, and I, I don't know. I feel like in a normal show, that would be lame. The only reason they can get away with it is because they are doing an expanded universe. And now we have to watch the next show to get any sort of, of real resolution. So like I, when I first started watching this, someone referred to Ahsoka as a walled garden in that it is very clearly like catering to like the most hardcore of star Wars fans, like in terms of people who loved clone wars and rebels Mm -hmm. and the books with Thrawn and all that stuff. And I think like, I I am like not a casual star Wars fan. Like I've been super into star Wars for as long as I've been into sci-fi fantasy stuff. Like I have seen rebels and a decent amount of clone wars. Um, And I still just kind of felt like they coasted. Uh, They kind of coasted through some big moments and didn't really sell them in this show. And I think that was kind of its problem. It relied too much on people's previous knowledge of these characters instead Mm -hmm. of making us understand why Ezra matters whatsoever in this show. And I think even when you're going to tie shows together, you still need to do the legwork in the show we're watching. So yeah, that's my, my mini introductory spiel about Ahsoka. Um, No introductory. Would you, so Dan, would you watch a season two of Ahsoka? Do you think we'll get one? Ooh, that's the question, isn't it? Um, first of all, Julie, thanks for stopping by. Good to see you. I'm glad that um, since the time change in Australia, it's a little less uh, onerous for you to tune into us. Always love seeing you. Um, I agree with you, Dan, that the prop... I wonder how much of my problem with Ahsoka is sort of my knowledge of how it factors into Disney's grand unified plan. Because I don't like that. You're right. Like this thing did end on a series of cliffhangers. And yeah, it did feel like it was meant for people who knew it was happening. Whenever they were like introducing a new character like Ezra Bridger, he coming in as a beard. And like I could tell the way it's framed and paced and lit (laughs) and edited. Like you you could tell it was supposed to be a big moment. But I'm just like, who is this? Um, There was a lot of that going on. And yeah, I can't. My biggest problem with the show is that I can't shake the feeling that I'm being strung along in a kind of cynical way to buy a movie ticket later, or maybe to watch yeah. the next season, next season of the Mandalorian that would appear on, or perhaps there'll be another season. I, I have no idea if there will be. Um, I don't like how the show is part of this bigger universe that I just, I don't feel like I like consented to be in. Like, I just want to watch a show and enjoy it. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Camilla, do you kind of get this feeling or do we stand alone? I don't know. I I feel like, sure, (laughs) I would love a... I would love to see a, a second season of it or, you know, because of this mystery Star Wars movie that Filoni's working on. If he is indeed continuing from that point on, we're still going to have to like catch up in the Mandalorian and all of that, um, which brings mm-hmm. the question, is Thrawn going to be mentioned or seen in the new Mandalorian season? If, if, it, if it's that, if it's the case, you know, if they're going to just, not even go with the second season of Ahsoka and start inching the Mandalorian that way because that's the only one left to be inched that way, I believe. Um, But I feel like they tried so hard to, like Daniel, like you both have said, um, for, for us, like, who were really into the Clone Wars and really into Rebels, like, it was Nostalgia Fest. It was amazing. We saw all the characters that we almost, all the characters that we love so much that are still alive and still play, play a big part in lore at this point. Um, and a lot of things that weren't, uh, like, explained. Like, sure, we know it's the world between worlds because we've seen Rebels and we know that that's what that's called. I don't think they mentioned that title of the place once. I don't think so. Um, I, they never really yeah, care to explain what so. They never care to explain if it's like Jedi heaven or Jedi like middle ground purgatory or, whatever, or yeah. purgatory. That's the word. English is hard. Um, they they don't you know they don't really explain anything. And it got to the point where I was I was catching my parents up on the series, and mm-hmm. they hadn't seen the seventh episode, so we watched it together, and um. They were so confused with with certain things and the Purgle. They still don't understand the Purgle and all of that. So I had to go back and show them the last episode of Rebels and then bits and pieces of Clone Wars so they would understand what was going on. So they could actually watch it because explaining it would have just been too convoluted. 
Um, so I, th- I, f- I feel like that was kind of a, it felt like you had to be part of an exclusive club to really enjoy Ahsoka, you know? And they spent so much money on it. I, I, I don't like it. I think that's borderline wicked. Um, as, as Julie <laughs> says, okay, we're going to go positive in a second, but just, um, as Julie says, I don't have to be really desperate to watch another season. I agree. It just didn't, it just didn't grab me. And again, I feel like it's because it it's serving this bigger corporate master and I don't like it really fast. That title, the Jedi, the witch and the warrior, which is funny. Cause like it was, it, it's perfectly fine. It's just funny to me how like the intro was really somber and had all this like really intense music. And it was really like intensely framed. Like it was really important and, and, and sort of monolithic and huge. And then it cuts away to a Narnia reference. And I was like, that's cute. Um, did did we like anything about it? What was our favorite part? Do we have favorite parts? For me, oh, I really liked um, um, Sabine Wren's hair in the first two episodes. I thought it, she looked great. I with, agree. With the rainbow hair. I agree. And, and I don't think she should have cut it. And I think I that was my favorite part of the show that's sad Daniel? very sad that's harsh nice. man it was that's nice. harsh that's your favorite part of the show was the it hair so good got like rid kind of, of waving gently in the breeze it looked re- i'm gonna do my hair like that it did I'm gonna do my hair like that rainbow <laughs> hair never looks it. good it never looks good and 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 they pulled it off like that was impressive <laughs> they did yeah they did pull it off uh i think there were definitely highlights of this show. I think that a lot of the references were really great. I think there were some cool action scenes. I think the effects, especially the spaceship battle effects, um, oh, yeah. were on par with a lot of Star Wars movies. I think some of the cast gave great performances. Like Rosario Dawson is pretty perfect as Ahsoka, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Lars Mikkelsen as Thrawn is you know this is the hard thing and i know you just said we're gonna go positive but it's kind of like when the show gave actors like natasha lou bordizzo who played sabine or rosario dawson good material to to really play with they often did a great job um there were just also times where they had kind of thin material and like sabine is kind of the one i come back to bugged me in a couple of episodes uh once I got to Paradia, which is the planet where the Night Sisters are, um, my I will pass to Camilla. But I will just say my biggest highlight, I think, was Ray Stevenson as Balin Skull. I love Ray Stevenson. This was one of his last performances, I believe, because he has passed away. Yeah, um, really enjoyed that he was basically like the bad version of like a Qui Gon Jinn, where he's yes. not your typical Sith or Jedi kind of just doing his own thing. Um, Camilla, what, what were your highlights from Ahsoka? I I agree. Ray was amazing as Balin, and he was one of my favorites as well. I felt like he was the, the beautiful opposite of Ahsoka. She's not a Jedi. She has good, like, morals, and so she is what a Jedi should be. Um, and you'd be like the antithesis big words am i using the big word right antithesis no probably not sure yeah yeah yeah. i think it's so yeah excellent cool (laughs) he's like the antithesis of ahsoka in that way and i absolutely loved 
their dynamic. Um, Shin, of course, loved her to pieces because she's awesome. Um, do not like Sabine. I my feelings were very hurt when my mother told me that I remind her of Sabine, and then I told her, <laughs> I do not like Sabine. Like, thank you, mom. Thank you. So do not like Sabine whatsoever. Um, Your hair kind of looks similar to her early good hair. I'll say that. Okay, go on. <laughs> it's red. I need to do like the blue and the orange. I really want to do it because it looks so cute. But anyway, um, I I really enjoyed Thrawn. Like I said. Five times before, I believe he was probably my favorite part about it. Episode five was by far the best episode in any Star Wars show that I have seen so far. That's live action. The one with Anakin, Shadow Warrior. I absolutely adore that episode. Um, And I am so excited. It's like Lucasfilm is doing an endgame, an Infinity Wars endgame type thing. Oh, yeah, they lost big time. The big bad is going to the galaxy. He sure. has won. What now? You know, like, and then you got to get the Avengers. I mean, the Jedis and rebels and everything together and go deal with that situation. So I'm excited about that um, with with the movie, the, the mystery movie. I wonder who all is going to be in it. And Luke. I, I'm just hoping good stuff comes out of this because i think star wars needs to move on from the skywalker saga in like as soon as possible and just give us new material because this was new and refreshing you know it sure it continues from that but it was it's a it's a new story it was it was nice to see other things and rediscovered the night sisters and stuff they were probably some of my favorite parts too i i did like that they were well designed and i liked the zombies doctor which that was fun oh yeah um, that was awesome yeah. Yeah, that was a good time so much of it seemed to be like some of the action scenes seemed to be kind of marking time until there were there was too much action and not enough character beats, like too much sort of fight scenes yeah. that didn't have a real reason to be there other than we can. I didn't yeah. like that. And I'm glad you're excited about the Agree. next phase. I don't know. I feel like I loved Infinity. I remember being in, in, in the theater for Infinity War and everyone died, and I was like, whoa. And even though I knew they're going to bring them all back, it still hit hard. I feel like Disney can't get away with that anymore because we know what happens after Infinity War. Everybody comes back and then the Marvel Universe keeps on going. Like, that's what will happen here. Like, it's I've said this before uh, about the Marvel Universe, and I think it applies to the Star Wars Universe, but anything Disney does. And not to crap at anybody who loved this. Unless <laughs> you're called Star Wars Andor. Um, if if you're made by Disney and you're part of this these big franchise things, it's almost like they don't you're not allowed to be too good. Yeah. Because things that are really good have endings. And this by its design has no ending. Because if it had an ending it couldn't keep making more stuff that you would keep paying to see. It's a limitation of these kind of specifically Disney's big franchise stuff. I think it's been hurting Marvel for a while and is now hurting star Wars. Um, So, and I'm always aware of it now, whenever I'm watching these things, Um, I liked it. I thought it was visually appealing. I like Sabine Wren's hair and I like some of the fight scenes. (laughs) <laughs> but I don't know. 
I am I'm I'm kind of tired of Marvel and Star Wars at this point. That's my very downer take. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Daniel, do you have a downer take or an upper take? Uh, well, I think the one the one highlight that none of us have mentioned, which I am ashamed that we haven't mentioned, was also uh-huh. the Loth Cat. Which I think That's give this show cat. the credit it's due. Live action nah. Loth Cat looked great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I agree with your your take, Dan. I, I really, you know, I love Star Wars. I think it it is kind of hurting these shows that they have to serve this larger thing because, like, this was this was the Ahsoka Tano show, a show about Ahsoka. I don't think they actually explained in this show why she left the Jedi Order. And that's like, there are beats like that where it's like, that feels like huge missed opportunities in a show about this character. Like, how are you not going to address that? Um, so, yeah, generally, I, I think Ahsoka, I'm glad to have seen it. Um, I wish Disney would put a little more focus on its individual shows, making sure they're as good as they can be before serving the larger narrative, because I think that's why the MCU originally worked so well, because it was a bunch of interconnected things that were also good on their own and full stories on their own, rather than just building blocks. And I think Star Wars is kind of falling into the building blocks territory a little bit. Um, but I, I am very happy for all the people who loved Ahsoka because Clone Wars and Rebels made their hearts sing. Um, Camilla, what what are your final thoughts on Ahsoka? My final thoughts was wow. My final my th- my final thoughts are um, could have been worse. Could have been a heck of a lot better. <laughs> was all right. Yeah. Thrawn is king one hundred percent. Not just because I <laughs> like villains and everything. Um, and I am going to allow myself to be excited because I am sick and tired of being that one diehard Star Wars fan who craps on their own fandom because they're not entirely happy with the turn that it's taking. So I'm just going to sit back, relax, and let them drive. And if they make mistakes, I'm going to yell at them. But that's it. <laughs> and we end on optimism uh camilla i think you have to get going right are you good to go now don't stick around a little longer i do Let's yeah go. i'll uh i should get going so i can right. do what i must do well, camilla, thanks so much for stopping by we always like to have you here come back anytime awesome thanks for having me it was good chatting yeah, with thank you, you. Cool. yeah bye camilla see you later bye. but the show is not over we will soldier on without camilla thanks again for coming on um Let's go to Westeros. Let's go to the Seven Kingdoms. Um, let's, let's go to the land where Daenerys was born, but didn't grow up. Um, Daniel, they are still a working yes. on House of the Dragon season two. Okay. Um, the second season of this Game of Thrones prequel show. And it's going well. Um, 
they wrapped filming. They have wrapped filming on House of the Dragon. Good for them. Season two. Daniel, (laughs) this show kind of got away with murder, didn't it? Because they started filming season two before the writer's strike hit, like a couple of months, maybe like a month and a half. Writer's strike hit. They filmed throughout the entire thing. They filmed through the actor's strike because apparently the UK hates unions, which kind of surprised to me. I didn't know that. Um, and then the writer's <laughs> yeah. strike wrapped up. And then like literally a few days later, they wrapped on the second season, which is just in time to do rewrites or reshoots if they need to do rewrites or reshoots. Um, they they come with murder, which is I'm sure how to feel about it. It does put the show in an interesting position because because so many shows mm-hmm. at HBO were pushed back thanks to the writer's strike like they couldn't work on the last of us during this time they couldn't work on the white lotus um i think euphoria got pushed back like they're big kind of tentpole shows house of the dragon will be like their thing for 2024 it's going to be it, it it was already going to be a big deal cuz it's a you know house of the dragon it, it is a hit show but now it's going to be mm-hmm. like the big cornerstone maybe the only one they'll have so the pressure is on for it to be good but it'll also have like the floor to itself so many shows were put on a hold and house of the dragon wasn't it got to keep going so they get to like have the floor to themselves next year is that a good thing or a bad thing um i think house (laughs) well maybe a little bit of both right so i Mm -hmm. have been throughout this filming process, nervous about what it means for House of the Dragon to have filmed without writers on set, without presumably Ryan Condal on set. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there are elements where I I am nervous. Okay. Uh, I'm nervous about like what it means for their production Mm -hmm. that they filmed under these circumstances. But I think in terms of HBO, how they're going to promote House of the Dragon and push House of the Dragon, it's a good thing. Because I think you're right that they totally did get away with murder because, like you said, uh, apparently the UK loathes unions. I did not know this until this strike uh, that that actors could not have gone on strike in the UK or they would have faced legal repercussions. So mm-hmm. those are great circumstances to film under. Um, but I think when this comes back around to next year, if House of the Dragon is HBO's, it was already going to be one of their big shows, but now it's their main show coming out in 2024 that is a tent pole. I think mm-hmm. it's possible we'll see them put a lot more of their weight behind it which they already have been putting a lot of their weight behind this yeah. series. But if it's their main one for the year um, and it will probably have, you know, I, I'm assuming we're still going to see rings of power season two next probably, year yeah. too. That's another one that like kind of got away with the strike stuff because they were so close to finishing when it yeah, started um, that they kept going. Uh, but yeah, so I, it's, you know, it's exciting news for House of the Dragon. It's wonderful that they're wrapped filming. Um, I am just, just curious how this stuff will affect it, though. A- am I being too worrisome, Dan? Like, what do you think? No, I don't think so. Well, it's... We still don't know everything. Like, I think Ryan Condal and Sarah yeah. Hess were on set because they were doing the whole, like, 
we're acting as showrunners, not as writers. And like, is that possible? I don't know, mm-hmm. but they tried it. Um, <laughs> as, yeah. uh, as Patrick said, Merry Christmas, Margaret Thatcher. Did she kill the union? She probably did. <laughs> she killed everything, but it, it's just so weird because no like idea. England has like universal health care. So I figured they would have other sort of, I don't know, more progressive values too, but no, they hate unions more than we do. And we hate unions. Um, so that was just Apparently. fun to learn. Uh, okay, so we have to, we have to up in them. A a charming island. Um, it's not just ha- uh, House of the Dragon. Be- uh, the other HBO's not being done. It'll be like a lot of shows we put off. You're right. The Rings of Power will be back. I wonder if the Wheel of Time will be back because I know they've been filming stuff. That's been kind of mysterious. What they've been doing exactly with their third season. Um, I'm not sure. Well, yeah, day, I'm not sure. There's. They're still deep in it right now. Uh, Wheel of Time, I assume they're filming still. uh, And I assume it's still it was kind of a similar situation. They have a lot of UK actors or actors from Europe. um, So I don't know that they they clearly didn't fall under the same strike rules as a as a Hollywood based production. You know, Wheel of Time is based in Prague um, Mm -hmm. primarily. Uh, So, yeah, they're still filming. It's. I've been assuming it's two years between seasons. So I would be really surprised if we see the wheel of time season two next year. Um, I still think wild, we'll see that though, in 2025. If we got like rings of power early in the year, house, the dragon middle wheel of time, the end, that'd be really cool. Uh, but we'll see. If that that would. Uh, we have yeah. some fun stuff. We get, Oh, Variety also was saying that they're looking ahead. Do we get to be ordered third season? Because they want us to be, you know, last a while. That would be great, too. Things can start moving again now that the writer's strike is over. And I haven't... I know that they're currently meeting with the actors. Um, the studios mm-hmm. are. Today. The, today. And, and, and perhaps yesterday? I forget. No, no, no. It was today and then tomorrow and the next Monday day. And t- Monday um, and today. Yeah. The feeling seems to be that... People seem to be anticipating an agreement because I guess if they want to get the writers back to work, they also want to get the actors back to work. Like the studios are giving in, thank God. Um, But we don't know that yet. But hopefully it feels like once the first one wound down, that it gives momentum the second one to wind down, then everything get back to work. But we'll see what happens there. But as for House of the Dragon specifically, we got Steve Toussaint, who plays Corliss Valerian, posting this little end of season pick with him still in his... Uh, banana clipped white Valerian Targaryen wig. Uh, what a blast to work with such great people. Now it's in the hands of the editors, SFX folk, and whoever else. Hope you like it when you eventually get to see it. Carefully not giving us a <laughs> release date. We also have interesting stuff. Like we saw sometimes when a show wraps, like the crew or the cast will get like a thank you message and like a basket of fruit. Yeah. Or some energy drinks, or <laughs> uh, I don't know, like a doorstop or whatever, like some kind of gift. And they had this message. They quoted on the message to the crew. They quoted Laris Strong, who is um, yeah, noted political schemer and foot fetishist, uh, saying a line <laughs> from season two: "You have already written yourself into legend. You survived Dragonfire." And if you know what happens in season two, if you read Fire and Blood, you know what that refers to. That. He's almost yeah. definitely spoiler, spoiler, spoiler coming. Beware, beware, beware. Spoiler. He's almost definitely talking to King Aegon Targaryen 
after he uh, yep. <laughs> uh, has a nasty run-in with a dragon during a battle called the Battle at Rook's Rest that leaves him, at least in the books, it leaves him sort of hobbled for the rest of yeah. the story. I'm not sure how hard they'll go on that. Yep. But, like, he's functional, but he's never quite the same after that. So I can picture... I hope they go whole hog, obviously. I hope he's, like... Aiken's, like, screaming with eight-degree burns on his, on his body, like, being held down by nurses and doctors and maesters who are trying to heal him and laris is like you survived dragon fire dude you're cool and he's like oh my god the pain um we'll see what happens there but that is almost <laughs> definitely what they're talking about there um oh are you looking something up yeah i'm looking up a picture of Ooh, a picture? after that uh in the rise of the dragon which is yeah, there's a good one. I'll see if I can find it. But yeah, you know, he uh he's in rough shape. Like you said, it's the entire rest of the the story pretty much that he is in said rough shape. So I really hope that they go hard on that too. I think that's an important thing for his character, so I hope they don't skimp on it. I'm going to see if I can find the picture. Um I'd keep talking about Yeah. So they pretty much confirmed that that's coming with I mean, they didn't confirm it to us, but whoever found that picture of that rap message confirmed it. Yeah. That that's going to happen. We also got, and this is now in the realm of more rumory things, we got from, um, oh, hell, I I believe House the Dragons on uh, Twitter, who's been reporting some fun behind the scenes stuff, that English actor Tom Bennett, who's appeared in stuff like the Rocketman movie, the Elton John biopic, will reportedly play the dragon seed Ulf White in House Dragon Season 2, a.k.a. Ulf Sat, <laughs> a.k.a. Ulf the White. Lots of names. He's a drunk who rides a dragon. How fun. We've discussed the dragon seeds before. They're these kind of uh, four <laughs> peasants who will end up riding dragons once some of the dragon riders start dying. They were near us like, we got more dragons than riders. We just need to put out a call. Like, anyone who can ride these things you fight for us, we'll give you titles and lands, which I'm really looking forward to because that's just, just a fun story. I love the idea yeah. of peasants mixing it up with the kind of upper crust royal types and getting handed nuclear weapons. What ha- What happens when you give them that, something like that? We'll find out. And uh, Tom Bennett, Ulf White is yeah. one of them. And he's like, a again, I love the idea of like, he's like a drunk, he's a layabout, and now he rides a dragon. That could be fun. That could be a good time. I hope, I hope they go hard yeah. on that too. Yeah. Did, yeah. Did you find and, it? I did. I did find it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'll say for Ulf, Mar- that's one of the great things that Martin does with Fire and Blood and A Song of Ice mm-hmm. and Fire is contrast like what happens when you get peasants involved in these affairs of royals who don't give a crap about the peasants. Um, I hope that was something that was missing a little bit from season one of House of the Dragon. So with the yeah. dragon seeds, I hope they lean into it. Um, yeah, so this is the picture. See if I can get it. So this is Egon after he gets toasted. Uh, again, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. And at that point, he can't sit on the Iron Throne. Oh, you don't see it. I'll wait until That's it catches funny. up. I'll stay just like this for the rest of the episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, so after he gets toasted, 
he can no longer ascend the iron throne in the books because obviously it has this giant staircase which is a little different than the show uh so he has to hold court sitting at the bottom of it very miserably in a chair with a blanket over his charred bottom half uh (laughs) so yeah i hope that they do a good job with this miserable is the watchword for egan thank you it froze on a picture of it miserable perfect love it good resume your normal posture whatever's most comfortable for you and finally we got a report from um let's see oh um there's another interesting bit where they're changing something this comes from redonian intelligence which which is a very reliable scoop site where in the book Rhaenyra and Damon's son Aegon the Third, who's a baby when we meet him, oh well, a, 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 like a toddler, in the first season. Yeah. In the book, he travels with his brother Viserys, another son of Rhaenyra and Damon, across the Narrow Sea when the war starts up for safekeeping. But they're going to change things up. He's going to go to the Vale with Rhaena Targaryen, Damon's daughter, instead. Um, which you know could alter the way they do things a little bit. We're getting some kind of clues that maybe they'll change a few events around, but I don't see why they couldn't do it. Um, Why he couldn't still be traumatized in some ways. There's plenty of opportunity to hurt these children. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think I'm a little curious what they're going to do there because yeah. uh, what happens with Egon the Third and uh, his brother Viserys is kind of what instigates the Battle of the Gullet, which is a major sea battle that we're expecting to see. Um, but this does mm. strike me as the kind of detail that is small enough that I'm I'm not really worried to hear they're changing this. I'm just curious what sure. they're going to end up doing. Um, I guess that like the yeah. Pisaris could still be attacked and that could still indica- instigate something. There's lots of ways to do it. Yeah. And if I remember right, so Viserys, when they get attacked, I think Egon the third flies home on his yeah. dragon and his dragon ends up dying. And it's, that's no. the beginning of the traumas of Egon the third. Um, and Viserys gets left behind and, yeah. you know, I mean, tragically as so often is the case when people get left behind in uh westeros uh stuff happens and it's not great um so yeah i agree with you i think they you know interestingly this report said uh egg on the third and joffrey valerian going to the Vale in season two did not mention viserys and where he might go so i think i imagine still see something traumatic happen yeah, yeah. I'm which sure might be easier because then they don't need to have Egon the Third, you know, fly his way home on his dragon, and that's one less dragon they have to animate in eight episodes or something. There's we'll also see. talk that they may invade King's Landing at the end, but push the Battle of the Gullet to season three. So there's all kinds of stuff that's moving, hmm. but we don't know anything yet. We'll figure it out as it yeah. goes. Um, that's all for Westeros, Daniel. Everyone out there lovely viewers um what are you watching daniel apart from ahsoka well i think the the main big one to mention is of course the wheel of time uh, which is on right now it's second season finale airs tomorrow nights um and whoo this season is great i think the wheel of time had you know some growing pains at points 
it's had to make some hard adaptation decisions because the books are just, there are 15 of them and they're enormous and they're doing it in eight seasons of television. Uh, but at this point, it feels like this show has hit its stride. Um, so I've been kind of obsessed. I've been watching The Wheel of Time a lot. Uh, how about you, Dan? How, how have you been feeling about Wheel of Time? I'm loving it. It's definitely a lot more confident this season. It, I agree. It's it's found its yeah. groove. It's hit its stride. The actors know what they're doing. The, the producers and writers, they're making choices that... Look, it, it's not like... Game of Thrones level of exacting detail clockwork plot, but the decisions yeah. make sense on the grand scale. It's a fun watch. It's different. Yeah. It's more elemental. The cast is really appealing. The nice. the the designs, the costumes, the sets, the special effects, the fight scenes are all great to watch. I've been really liking it a lot. It has definitely sucked me in. It's got more of like a campy vibe with these forsaken, these like ancient um you know magic yep. using uh chosen ones who serve the dark one have brought an element of uh fear but also camp to this season i've liked that i've just been liking it it's, yeah. it's been a lot of fun these 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 young kids are going to save the universe yes they are and we're going to watch them do it it is their destiny yeah. it's just been a good time it you can is. tell people love making it and I read some of the books. I'm still reading them. I'm liking it. You've read the books. Although I'll ask you this. Do you remember that for, um, at, the, at the start of the season where you had problems? Because you watched the episodes like pretty early on, the first four. And you were worried about adaptation choices. You had issues. You I was. gave me the impression that it might become like a minor disaster. Um, do you feel embarrassed now by those opinions? no uh what i feel so at the end and and we can i think say this without getting any details we've seen all of season two at this point um and i so here at the finish line i still stand by the things i was concerned about but i now can see the logic in some of them that wasn't initially clear um having only seen the first four episodes so like the introduction of celine is a pretty good example at first i was kind of like why are they just throwing her in here without any sort of introduction and now that we're at the end of the season the reason they did that is because they're making a much fuller arc for lanfear as a villain this season she's really not at this point in the books you only find out at the very end of the second book that she even is lanfear and then Rand doesn't find that out for like two more books <laughs> so like Instead of instead of that, they have they're making adaptation choices to give things like Lanfear like an arc for a season. And having seen them, I like those choices a lot more. Um, that said, there are still going to be ones that I feel a little torn on. There are even there are some in the finale I feel a little torn on. But I think the largest takeaway for me is just having faith in this production that they are making these hard decisions, that they are hard decisions for them to make because the showrunner has been pretty transparent about things he wishes they could have included that they weren't able to. Um, and knowing that they're doing them for a reason and that reason will become clear in time. So that's my way of saying I'm not embarrassed about my take at the beginning of the season, but I have much more confidence in just having faith 
in the production team and what they're doing. Because we've now seen a couple of instances where they made choices that people were confused about, and then they become clearer as the episodes go on. So I'm going to reserve I mean, any any terror till I see how things resolve. Uh, I Does that make sense? I, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, 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 we have some great comments here. Robert Harris says, yes, this cat is not camera shy. Her name is Missy. And just, just to, to let you know, <laughs> she was screaming outside of the door. Um, explain for audio audience. Uh, there's a cat named Missy. And uh, she keeps <laughs> walking in front of the camera. And just to let you guys know, before she came in here, she was screaming outside of the door and I let her in. And now she's like walking back and forth. And then she screamed to leave and I let her out. And then she screaming outside the door again to get back in. So she cannot make up her mind. This It's it's very indecisive. And now she's That's... sitting right there behind me. But yeah, she is a fan <laughs> monster. Um, talking about things that are confused, Oh, so we've heard from many folks like we had our colleague Bryce Olin write a whole article about how he's confused. Nicole here is saying that she's been enjoying Wheel of Time. It has no clue what's going on. Uh, all I know for sure is that Rand is the dragon. Yeah, I feel like there are quite a few folk um, confused by the Wheel of Time. I wonder if we're in a little mm-hmm. book readers bubble or we just sort of know what they're going for. But I've heard that take from more than one person that I'm enjoying the show. I don't know what's going on, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Um, It seems to be getting away with it. Like somehow there's a lot of um, vibes in, in the Wheel of Time. It can kind of like run on those and you don't really need everything explained because there is quite a bit that they don't explain. That's true. Um, yeah. And honestly, just having read the books, like you, you, you were just saying, like Celine's deduced and Rand doesn't know that she's Landfield till two books later and we don't know. That was stupid in the books. I didn't get it. Like, what are you doing? Like the yeah. the dithering about who is Shamayel is in the books made no sense to me at all. Like it felt like he was making up as he went along. There's definitely a sense of that to the Wheel of Time in the books. I don't know if it's yeah, which more is more or less clear in the show, honestly. But I know that I like it. I know that it feels good to watch. Um, but I don't blame anybody who's like, who is that person again, and why are they important? Everyone kind of works on these like big <laughs> yeah. mythological, esoteric goals about stopping ultimate evil. Um that don't break down as cleanly as you might think. I like it, but yeah, I, I can see why someone would be a little befuddled by the show, but it, it's definitely worth yeah. it. Yeah, same. I, you know, I am de- absolutely guilty of what you said about being in the book reader bubble for this show, like 110%. I can't even pretend otherwise, but I do think, so I've seen a lot of people give the, I, I'm enjoying it, but I'm so confused take as well. So Nicole, you are definitely not alone in that. Um, My response to that is that's kind of the way the book series is too. It just throws a bunch of information at you and you kind of figure it out as you go on. So as much as it's like, oh, this is a little confusing. Like that's very true to the tone and spirit of this story. 
And it's one that really rewards rewatching because what I will say for the confusion is um, I do think they explain stuff pretty clearly in the show. It's just so much that on a first watch, it's hard to take it all in and catch all of the little details. Like you have to pay a lot of attention to like little throwaway lines or little details really matter in this show. Personally, I think that's a strength. Uh, I'm one, I really hate when shows dumb down a story to make it more palatable. Like I, I find that that kind of has diminishing returns. Like that's how you end up with things like Dorne in game of Thrones versus what Dorne was in the books. Uh, um, so I think there are probably things that should be clear. Like I think the horn of Valir, the show has not been at all clear about what exactly no. the horn is and why it matters so much. Not at all. So I, I do think there are places it can still improve for sure. Um, but I think as an overall tone, that sense of confusion is not bad. Uh, I, I wonder, Nicole, and anyone else who's feeling this way, how you'll feel after you see it another time or two through. Um, because I think a lot of the little details will make more sense the, the more you lean into it. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention, too, about... So this season is combining books two and three. And Dan, you said it kind of felt like Robert Jordan was like figuring it out as he went along. And yeah. like, that is very on point. Uh, he he talked about this before he passed away. He basically would be like, I have one or two big events I know is going to be in each book and the rest he just figured out as he was writing it. So yeah. like the dithering, it, it very is absolutely the case in the books. And I think the show is much more focused uh, in terms of how, what it's foreshadowing. It is. Um, there's, there's, it, it, you know, that's the advantage of having them all done ahead of time. Uh, they, they really are working the long game in this show. So yeah, wheel of time is uh, if you are into fantasy stuff, it is a show you should at least check out. I think for season oh, yeah. two, I recommend it 100%, but it is like, okay. Julius compared it to, to Game of Thrones. You need to watch closely. I do feel like in Game of Thrones, if, if you were confused over something, there's some nerd out there who could explain like exactly who that character is, who their parents were, how the grudge they have goes back to <laughs> and why they have it now, what they're doing. Like in the Wheel of Time, it is a little more like, why does this happen? Because they're Tarviran. What's Tarviran? It's kind of like magic specialness. It, it's, it's a little mushier in the Wheel of Time. But again, that's fine. Like yeah. a vibe-based plot is fine. And I and, and I agree with Patrick who's saying that um it seems more focused on character development than plot. Like yeah. the idea that we'll talk more about this by the way. I think we're going to do a whole video on, on the Wheel of Time just cuz it's been it, it's been a good season. I, I want to talk about it. The way that like the Horn of Valir yeah. is apparently a big important thing that will play a big role and I feel like they've done nothing with it. Whereas they've spent a lot of time <laughs> introducing us to like Leandrin's ancient son, which is nice for her, but it's it's a it's it's yeah. it's it's a cool show. It's I like it, but it um it's curious. I like it a lot, and I'm looking for. And I hope you all enjoy the finale tomorrow. Okay, Daniel, we should keep moving on. But do you have anything quickly you yeah. want to say about uh, other shows you're watching, like really fast? Yeah. Yeah, so the only I I have started a couple of other shows. Uh, the Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon. Uh, I started this week. 
that one is cool that it is as mm. well running on a lot of vibes uh the vibes are spooky france uh with warrior nuns uh and evolved zombies so it it's a cool show i'm two episodes in i think and i'm definitely going to keep watching curious to see where it's going it, it's nice that it feels different than the walking dead but it's still daryl like the character still feels very much like the character we know from the walking dead just plopped in a very different situation um and aside from that i started castlevania nocturne which is netflix's new castlevania spinoff um I got to say, I'm a little disappointed in Nocturne. Um, That one I am three episodes into, and it is kind of just like mid, which I really hate to say because I loved the original Castlevania series that Netflix did. I was like, I went into it with kind of mediocre expectations because video game adaptations didn't have a great rap back then when Castlevania first aired. Um, and the the first, especially the first season of Castlevania yeah. was like excellent, um, had really great character development, had a, an awesome like found family, like misfit trio of characters who are leading this fight. Dracula was like surprisingly fleshed out and sympathetic. Like it, it was a, just a surprisingly great show. And Nocturne feels a little like they're just kind of trying to capitalize on how good the original one was. Like it, it's not really doing anything. Uh, I, everything feels a little more shallow and surface level. There are a lot of action scenes. The animation is a little weird too. Um, they kind of like cut frames out. So it feels a little choppier uh, than, and a little harder to follow than I expected. Um so I'll be finishing it. I'm curious to see the rest of it. Uh, but I'm also a little surprised that it's not as good as the original. Uh, what about really you, Dan? Quick. Watch anything else? Lots pointing to move on. Uh, Castlevania, really quick. Um, I I loved that first season. The second season was weirdly boring, and I my sense that they never recovered after the first season. I, I don't think they've been as good since that. So I, I, I'm not really surprised that it's mid, but I'm sorry. Um, Nicole is watching... <laughs> um, the change lane about fairies stealing babies and replacing them with demon babies now, ah, in New York City modern day. Nice. Also has a Brazilian witch. It's strange and spooky confusing, but I like it. That's a good recommendation, honestly. That sounds good. All right, Daniel, Truth. should we do the Wick News yes. Lightning Round where we take 20 seconds apiece and go over stories we didn't get to in the main body of the show? Probably. Otherwise, Richard is going to be late <laughs> for whatever important uh, appointments he has after this. So, yeah, All let, right. let's, uh, let us lightning. All right, then um, I'll go ahead and start, start us off. Um, 26 okay. o'clock, um, Daniel, to uh, on, on a sombra to begin, Michael Gambon, the actor who played Professor Dumbledore in the Harry Potter movies, has died at the age of 82. Yep. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure if this was natural causes. I believe it was. He died mm-hmm. in the hospital with his surrounded by his family so very sad michael gambon who played dumbledore in from prisoner of azkaban through the rest of the movies Mm -hmm. um he's passed away so uh it it is sad news um but we have a lot of movies to remember him by yeah good career um oh this is so this is interesting less somber note here uh the marvels so at one hour and 45 minutes 
The Marvels will be the shortest film in the MCU. Love it. Don't waste my time. I have no problem <laughs> with shorter movies if they're good. I don't like the fetishization of like super long three-hour epics. Not, there's no need for it. I mean, if if that's what it takes to tell that story well, great. If it sucks, maybe it should have been longer. I don't know. But my philosophy is however long it needs to be, it should be. I have no problem with that in and of itself. I'll reserve judgment when I see it later. All right, Daniel, I know that you love all kinds of newfangled AI gadgets. Oh, wait, no, sorry, wrong one. Um, Daniel. I swapped Marvel. it so you could talk about that. So great. Thank you so much. Um, Daniel, <laughs> Marvel is looking for a writer to write a new X-Men movie. When's it going to happen? Yeah, who knows? Marvel is not rushing to hire someone, but they the word on the street is they are starting to set meetings looking for someone to hire to write a new, new X-Men movie. They probably won't make a, a call and hire anyone till 2024 is what is being said. This is all unsubstantiated, anonymous source. So take it with a grain of salt. Uh, but yeah, obviously Marvel wants to make an X-Men movie. Why wouldn't they? Um, so Dan, not wanting to deprive you of all of You're getting the your other AI enjoyment because I know how much you enjoy. Okay, that's fine. Uh, but this one's more fun. So Tom Hanks, national treasure, Tom yeah. Hanks, has warned people not to trust his AI doppelganger, which is selling dental insurance and ads. What's mm. what's the deal with this? It's like a younger. I couldn't find the video, but he posted like an image. Like it, it, it it's like a younger, but not like young, but like a middle aged AI Tom Hanks telling you to buy dental insurance. <laughs> I mean, it's creepy. I mean, we know this kind of, that this kind of thing would happen. People are stealing likenesses and using them in ads without that permission. Um, we we got to get some rules in the books. We got to get some legal guidelines yeah. so this kind of thing can at least have some penalties if if, if it happens again. It's right now it's the wild fucking west. Um, Daniel, yeah, okay. Here is an interesting one. Not so much because okay, whatever. Um, Dune, which is made by <laughs> Warner Brothers Discovery is now on Netflix, even though they have their own streaming service. Are you in approval of big studios putting their sharing their work on other services rather than just keeping it for Max only or whatever? Yeah, sure. I think we're at a point where pretty much the prevailing opinion is there are too many streaming services for us all Mm -hmm. to pay for all of them. So I, that's kind of why these services, they're doing like a sharing thing right now, like Interview with the Vampires on Max. Uh, that's an AMC thing. Yeah, Netflix now has Dune, which is a too. Max thing. I support this. I, I think it's Thank a you. good thing. I'm with you. Um, ah, so here's some, some hot celebrity goss. Uh, so Sophie Turner, uh, also a, not even a national treasure, a worldwide treasure. Treasure due to her time as Santa Stark on Game of Thrones. Uh, Sophie Turner uses Joe Jonas's own words against him in their legal fight over their children's residence. It's pretty. I mean, it's it's pretty unhappy circumstances. So they're they're divorcing Joseph Turner and they're trying to see where their kids will live. And she like submitted this letter that he wrote trying to get somebody to sell their place in England, saying like, "We can't wait to live here forever and ever with our kids." 
as evidence that this is where they were supposed to live forever and ever permanently. Now they're going into mediation. I hope it all works out, but um, that's your celebrity gossip bit for the day. Enjoy. All right. I want to yeah. ask you this. Okay. Oh, oh, oh good. Um, Daniel, uh, speaking of AI, Disney yes. is facing backlash for possibly using AI to create this Loki poster. Although I don't think it's been 100% settled whether this is AI or not. It looks smooth. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know the deets on on this specifically, whether they did or not. Like you said, it hasn't really been confirmed. Um, But I wouldn't, I want to say I wouldn't be surprised because Disney has already set this precedent with Secret Invasion. So I'm not surprised we're having this conversation. (laughs) Um, But we'll be curious to kind of see what their response is. Yeah, totes. Uh, um, I feel like this last one is news that should surprise no one. But yeah, we're going to talk about it anyway. To put on there. Well, that's okay. That's okay because this movie is going to be righteous. So, Dune Part Two, the sequel to Denny Villeneuve's visionary Dune adaptation of the seminal Frank Herbert book, Dune mm-hmm. Part Two uh, is rated PG thirteen officially, just like Part officially. One. Yeah, good for it. I mean, okay. I can talk about this for 20 seconds, though, because I feel like there's an expectation for, like, these big epics to be, like, R because they're badass, but they don't have to be. Like, Dune doesn't have any, not not real cursing. There's not really any sex in it. Even the violence is sort of kind of intellectualized. There's no, you can have a serious adult drama that is not R, and it's fine. So it's not always a sign of weakness. Absolutely. Um, And you know what? That's the show, everybody. Thanks for joining us. That was a, a lot of fun. We went long. Thanks to Camilla Surveo for joining us to talk about Star Wars Ahsoka. And uh, thanks to both of us for talking about all the other stuff. And thanks to you for watching, commenting, and just being delightful. Um, if you want to keep doing that, we are here every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Apparently a little later in Australia now. Thank goodness for Julie's um, sleepy eyes. <laughs> uh, we stream on the winter is coming facebook channel and the winter is coming youtube page every single wednesday uh we're also available on podcast form ever podcast form. we'll be at itunes google player elsewhere so give us a like give us a subscribe um whatever you can do helps a lot helps feed that algorithm thanks for watching have a great day and we'll see you next week that's the exit bye this podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.